this morning, I'm going to kind of take, uh, take up where I left off. Uh, been a little while. Our pastor was out of town. And I started this uh, message. It's a two-part message. Uh, having to do with justified before God. This is part two. And most of, most of this message here is taken from a book that our pastor put together. I think it's entitled the same thing, just justified before God. And But this morning in introduction, just a short introduction, the last time I delivered a message, we dealt with the first two parts of being justified before God. The first truth having to do with that is God is the only source of justification. This is stated in Romans 8.33. It is God that justifies. The source of justification is the sovereign love, mercy, and grace of God. And it's in and by the Lord Jesus Christ. Truth number two that we dealt with was God's elect are the only objects of this justification. This is clearly stated in Romans 8.33 also. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's clear from the scriptures that the objects of God's grace and every blessing and every benefit of salvation, including justification, are for those whom God chose to save by giving them to Christ before the foundation of this world. Now this morning, we're going to pick up with truth number three, four, and five. Number three is Christ's righteousness is the only ground of this justification. Number four, imputation is the only means and the only instrument of this justification. And number five, God-given spiritual life, knowledge, faith, repentance, perseverance, and glorification are the fruits of this justification. Now, we'll begin this morning with that third truth here, having to do with Christ's righteousness being the only ground of this justification. What do I mean by Christ's righteousness is the only ground of justification? I mean that when God the Father justified his elect, his whole view was what his son would do in time for his elect. This is the reason that God could remain just and justify ungodly sinners. The cross of the Lord Jesus Christ is the focal point of everything, everything in time and everything in eternity. Even before time, God was looking to the cross at what Christ would accomplish there by his obedience unto death before time. In old eternity, as Brother Gary Shepherd says, when God chose a people, he chose them in Christ, based on what Christ would do for them 
at the cross. When God justified him, he was seeing the righteousness that Christ, as our surety, would bring in and accomplish at the cross. And even in eternity future, the song of the redeemed will be worthy is the lamb that was slain. So the cross was not only the focal point in the beginning, it's all, it always will be throughout eternity. What Christ accomplished by establishing righteousness is the ground of our justification. Look with me at Romans 8:34. <clears throat> Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. The Bible teaches that God is holy, righteous, faithful, and just. He cannot be anything less than the perfections of these attributes. He cannot deny himself. Whatever God purposes and plans, he does. He must do so, all of these things, in harmony with his holiness, his righteousness, truthfulness, and his justness. He must do so in harmony with all of these attributes. When God elected his people unto salvation, he had to do this on a just and a righteous ground. God's love, grace, and mercy are marvelous attributes to behold, but when we see his love, grace, and mercy acting and being applied in perfect harmony with his holiness and his justice, it is the greatest miracle of God's wisdom and power that a sinner has been blessed to behold. To see and to know God as both, as Isaiah forty-five twenty-one says, a just God and a Savior, and as both, Romans 3.26, just and the justifier of sinners. And to know him as both a loving and merciful father and a righteous judge is the greatest revelation of himself that God can and, and that he does to his people. And how does God accomplish this salvation of his people and still honor and magnify his justice? Well, it is upon the ground of the merits of the obedience unto death of the Lord Jesus Christ as he stood as surety, substitute, and redeemer of his people who were given to him by his father before the world began. Does not the scripture says all that Christ says, all that the father giveth me shall come to me. That's what it's talking about. Look at 2 Timothy 1.9. Who had saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. A few years ago, I, I looked up just the term in Christ, in the beloved, and these sort of phrases that let, let, let us know what it's talking about when it talks about the elect being in Christ. Uh, and I don't forget now, 60, 70 times throughout Scripture, uh, it says this phrase. 
John Gill, an old, old writer, old gospel writer, has this commentary on this verse I just quoted in 2 Timothy. John Gill says, and I quote, God had in mind to save some. He chose his own son to be the savior of them. He put those persons into his hand where they are safely preserved so as not to be damned and everlastingly perish, notwithstanding their fall in Adam and their original corruption and actual transgressions, that spiritual and eternal salvation, which is by Jesus Christ, is before calling. This was resolved upon from eternity. A council of peace was formed. A covenant of grace was made. A promise of life given. Persons were fixed upon to be saved. A Savior was appointed, and blessings of grace were put into his hand and all according to an eternal purpose, close quote. Also, this ground of justification before God, described in the Bible by the phrase, the righteousness of God. Look at Romans 1, beginning at verse 16. Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also the Greek, for therein, therein this gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The righteousness of God, which is the ground of our justification, it, that's the merit of Christ's obedience unto death, his death on the cross for the redemption of his people. In other words, Christ earned all that is given to the elect. The elect didn't earn it. By his one offering, he, as surety, he paid the sin debt for his people and worked out and established a perfect righteousness by which God is just to justify those whom he had set apart for salvation. This is what is meant by sinners being justified by his blood and perfected by his one offering. Romans 5, beginning at verse 8, says, But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Justification in God's mind from eternity, proceeded upon the suretyship engagements of Christ to be performed in time. The Old Testament saints were justified of God as they viewed the blood of the Lamb of God, which was to be shed. This blood was now shed. That's what it's, what it's speaking of here. Much more than being now justified by his blood. Therefore, Christ is shown to be, the faith, be, to be faithful to his Father in fulfilling the office of surety, whereby all the sins of God's elect were paid in full, and the justification of all God's elect in eternity past had been satisfied by Christ our surety. Christ's righteousness established and worked out 
by that one offering for sin is the ground of our justification before God. Look with me at Hebrews 10, 14. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified, are chosen, are set apart for salvation. God is the God of grace who saves sinners by his grace through his justice being satisfied by Christ. Everything in the complete salvation of sinners is by God's grace. Look at Ephesians 2, beginning at verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. No part of salvation, no blessing or benefit of eternal life is conditioned on the works, the obedience, or the wills of sinners. Something that we don't know, we don't know anything about by nature. It's all of grace conditioned on the work of Christ. All of the following is all of grace. God's election of his people. God justifying his people. God's adoption. God's redemption. God's regenerating and calling. God's preservation. And finally, God's glorifying his people. It's all of grace. And this whole salvation is all grounded upon the righteousness of Jesus Christ accomplished at the cross. Romans 3, beginning at verse 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God to declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth on Jesus. Here in verse 24 it says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. Young's literal translation says, or having been justified, declared righteous freely. And that word in another place is translated without a cause. They are justified or declared righteous freely without a cause in themselves by the grace of God. And what are those next words? Through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. And that's what we believe, that's what I believe, that the Bible teaches. We know and we preach and believe that it is through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. And I know that I have never said nor do I believe that it was not necessary for Christ to come and to die on the cross. We have said here that it is through the redemption of Christ, which is the ground and foundation of justification. This word through means our free justification or being made righteous and declared righteous of God. And it is all through the redeeming work of Christ on the cross. It is God that's just in every sense. 
It is God that pronounces this justification and declares us righteous through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. This propitiation that's quoted here in verse 25 is the justice of God completely satisfied by the Lord Jesus Christ for all the people the Father gave him and for whom he died on the cross. Propitiation means the certainty of their full salvation and the final glory. I must be justified. I must be born again. I must be preserved and brought to glory. And all by God's grace based entirely on the merits of Christ's death. His righteousness imputed to my account as my surety, substitute, redeemer, life giver, and preserver. Truth number four, imputation is the only means and instrument of this justification. This is stated in Romans 8.33, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's, God's elect? Before the foundation of the world, God chose a people to be saved. He gave them to his son, making his son to be their surety. Christ has always been and will always be surety of the everlasting covenant of grace. The conditions and requirements necessary to ratify that covenant covenant and ensure the salvation and eternal life of all whom God chose and gave to Christ were always upon Christ himself alone to fulfill on the behalf of God's elect. There are people that God will not charge with their sin. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The government, government spoken of here, of which the prophet speaks here, is the government of, of God's covenant of grace, all conditioned on Christ. Having been made the surety of his people, their sin debt was charged to his account. The Son of God willingly took this debt upon himself. He took it upon himself up front. This is unlike in our day. We know surety. Uh, when you go to the bank, take out a loan, you don't have any collateral. Or anything. Somebody has a sign for you. That means if you don't pay the debt, they're obligated to pay that debt. And But with this, but with Christ, he, he, he became surety up front. Us knowing that we're not able to pay the debt completely. It says he willingly took this debt upon himself and agreed to come in time and pay the debt in full by the price of his own blood. Christ coming in time and paying the elect sin is where redemption of his people takes place in time. Because Christ's suretyship... Because of Christ's suretyship, the sins of God's elect 
were not charged to them, but it was charged to Christ. This speaks of three things. First of all, the non-imputation of sin of God's elect to their account. Second of all, the imputation of the sins of God's elect to Christ's account. Thirdly, the imputation of the righteousness of Christ to the account of God's elect. Consider the following verses that teach these blessed truths. In Romans 4, beginning at verse 6, even as David, this is speaking of King David, also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. God the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul here to expand upon the Psalm of David, Psalm 32, verse 1 and 2. That's where that comes from. When it comes to God justifying the ungodly, the truth of imputation is clearly the issue both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. It answers the question of how God can be just and still justify sinners. The truth of imputation for justification is pictured throughout the Old Testament, beginning at Genesis 3, where Adam and Eve, having sinned against God, Genesis 3, 7 said, they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons to hide their nakedness. These fig leaf aprons are symbolic of man's works and futile attempts to cover his exposure to God's wrath and to work his own righteousness before God, covering himself with fig leaf apron. But God revealed early on that man's works will not make him righteous in God's sight. Therefore, God slew an animal and made them coats of skin. Genesis 3.21 says, Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. This is a beautiful picture of the righteousness of God established by Christ, the Lamb of God, and imputed to his people for their justification before God. Christ's righteousness imputed is often symbolized by wearing a garment, or an armor. Job 29.14 says, I put on righteousness, and it clothed me. My judgment was as a robe, and a diadem, or a crown. Isaiah 61.10 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He had covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. Now concerning imputation, suretyship is also a beautiful example and picture of imputation. We can see in God's everlasting covenant of grace, Christ is the surety. In that eternal agreement, complete with wisdom and love, 
God the Father was in Christ reconciling the world of his elect unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that is to say, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. And this will of God not to impute sin to his people, or not to punish them for it. Now folks, this was before time, in that covenant made between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It existed in God from everlasting. This will of God not to impute sin to his elect is no other than the justification of the elect. For to whom the Lord does not impute sin, he imputes righteousness. And these individuals are properly justified in the eternal mind and purpose of God. God does not leave his elect in some sort of limbo with neither charged with sin nor charged with righteousness. Where it says, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, which is the gospel of peace, the word which preaches, publishes, and declares the peace made by the blood of Christ which is the gift to ministers and blessings to the people, whereby God's people are reconciled to God in their mind. See, God was reconciled to us in old eternity. When he put us in Christ, he did not charge us with our sin. He charged them to his son, and he justified us based on what that's, the son would do in time at the cross. He was reconciled in his mind. We have to be reconciled in our mind. And in time, by the Holy Spirit, this happens. We're able to see the true and living God in Christ and what he did on our behalf. And all of this coming together. Truth number five. God-given spiritual life, knowledge, faith, repentance, perseverance, and glorification are the fruits of this justification. Concerning the fruit of justification, it stated in Romans 8, 32, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? All things include the gifts of spiritual life, all graces of the Spirit, and the eternal blessedness of final glory. Also look at Ephesians 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And in Romans 5.21. That as sin hath reigned unto death, so even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. 
all whom God has justified by his grace in Christ will be brought to know the only true and living God through Jesus Christ. They'll be known as he has sent of the Father to establish righteousness by his redeeming blood and also to bring forth spiritual and eternal life which is evidenced by his resurrection from the dead. The work of the Holy Spirit is to impart spiritual life, knowledge, and faith by the new birth from above. This is when he gives us spiritual eyes to see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ and spiritual ears to hear the beautiful sound of his grace by the word of faith. This is where he gives us a new heart, that new mind, affections, and will. Scripture said God makes us willing in the day of his power. He gives us these things, that new heart to know, to rest in, to desire, love, believe, and to follow the true Christ of Scripture. God-given faith by which the Holy Spirit brings God's elect to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that faith is neither the means nor the instrument by which God justifies his people. God-given faith is the means by which God makes us aware and assures us of our justification by his grace in Christ. It is the means by which the Holy Spirit cleanses our heart, wherein we are justified in the court of our own conscience. Hebrews 9.14 says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And y'all know what those dead works are. I think Bill had those uh, talked about that in his last message. Those dead works are all those works that the elect do prior to regeneration conversion in false religion, not knowing the true God, the true Christ. All this work, all of us had a lot of works we did in false religion. A lot of works. They were dead works. Fruit unto death. They didn't accomplish anything. The conscience is, as it were, our own mental courtroom, the seat of all judgment within our own minds by which we pronounce the verdict of guilty or not guilty. We pronounce these verdicts upon ourselves according to our own mental compass. Our natural conscience is defiled by sin and self-righteousness. This is the evil conscience. And nowhere does the defilement and evil of our own natural conscience show forth more than in our efforts to cleanse our conscience and clear ourselves by our works, our decisions, our reformation, our prayers, our confessions, along with any and all other religious exercises. Now, 
This evil conscience in our natural state of spiritual death and depravity, it stirs up us to seek and establish a righteousness of our own, which we think will cleanse us from sin and make us accept it with God. But the Holy Spirit convicts God's people of sin, righteousness, and judgment and shows them that the only thing that will cleanse them from sin and make them righteous is the blood of Christ, which is his righteousness imputed, accounted to us. This Holy Spirit conviction is how the Spirit in the new birth under the preaching of the gospel of grace in Christ cleanses the conscience of God's elect. Now, Hebrews 9, 13, 14, I won't read this, but uh, it, it, it tells us and talks about the purging. Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. In closing, there is one thing that we must it must be made perfectly clear. Nothing that has been written here denies or even diminishes the absolute necessity of faith, repentance and perseverance in our salvation of God's elect. It simply states that faith, repentance, and perseverance are not the grounds of salvation or justification, but they're the fruits and the effects of justification based on the one ground of Christ's righteousness imputed to our account. Consider the following two truths. No sinner will be saved without being brought by God, the Holy Spirit, in the new birth to faith, repentance, and perseverance. Where Christ's righteousness is imputed to a person in God's appointed time, that person will be brought under the preaching of the gospel, given spiritual life, and brought to God, given faith, to believe in Christ, to repent of those dead works and former idolatry, and to pre- persevere in the faith by the persevering power and grace of God in Christ. Romans six seventeen eighteen 18 says, But God be thanked that you were servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine that was delivered you, being then made free from sin. Ye became the servants of righteousness. Number two, no sinner has any biblical or God-approved right to claim salvation. Salvation by God's grace in Christ until he has been brought by God, the Holy Spirit, to believe in Christ, we believe in Christ. We're talking about this Christ I'm speaking of this morning, the true Christ. Until he has been brought by God, the Holy Spirit, to believe in Christ for all of salvation, to repent of his dead works and idolatry, and to persevere in the faith by God's power and grace in Christ. This holds true for every aspect of salvation that God freely and fully provides for his elect in and by the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 1, 
4 and 5 says, Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. For our gospel come not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. The first evidences of God's election of grace and justification based on Christ's righteousness imputed and even regeneration by the Spirit is faith in Christ and repentance of dead works and, of course, persevering in faith. The evil of being, the evidence of being a reprobate, not justified, not adopted, not redeemed, and not regenerated by the Spirit, is a sinner who goes throughout his life and dies without believing and resting in the Lord Jesus Christ, as he's presented, identified, and distinguished in the true gospel. John 3.36 says this, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not on the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. The Bible tells us that justification is unto life. Romans 5.18 Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men, all, rather, unto justification in life. Well, may the Lord give us all who hear these words here, eyes to see and ears to hear things, these things, that God has prepared and freely given to his people in and by the Lord Jesus Christ. To recap these things that we've talked about here, to be justified before God. God is the source of justification. The objects are God's elect of this justification. The ground is Christ's righteousness alone. Imputation is the only means and the only instrument of this justification. And finally, the fruit of justification, a spiritual life, knowledge, faith, repentance, perseverance, and glorification. This right here is justified before God.